Your RPG campaign sucks. Wait, come back, I'm just kidding! Do I have your attention now? Your campaign might be good, but it may be missing a little something. That's where Battle Bards comes in. Battle Bards is premium tabletop audio to take your game to the next level. Is your player's level 5 fighter ready to smack a orc in the face? Battle Bards has a sound effect for that. Is your level 3 rogue ready to talk some information out of a barkeep? Battle Bards has the voice acting for that. Are your characters ready for a halfling camp song that raises spirits and shows your players a better time? Battle Bards is here for all your fantasy audio needs. And with the MFG cast, we can help out. Go to BattleBards.com right now. Sign up for an account. And with purchasing a $10 and $25 package, use the code MFGCAST1 and you get a free song, The Dwarf Temple, The Soul Forging Score Music. If you're into buying $50 and $100 packages, you'll get five total tracks on us for free with using the code MFGCAST2, including A Monsterscape, I Monster Combat, Behold Extermination, The Soundscape, Dungeon, Dungeon of Loss, Inhabited, the MPC script, Armorsmith, Steel, and Silk, and the sound effect, Short Bow, Arrow, Barrage. And if you're really ready to get into that fantasy audio, buy your $150 and $300 packages and get 10 total tracks, one full album, for free from us by putting in the code MFGCAST3, including music, Dark Elf City, Morning Doer, score music, the sound effect, Magic Missile Spell, the Monsterscape, common giant torture hill giant and entertaining at home also racial language orcish orc brute lashes out and including soundscape castle ruins ruins of the black castle at night battle bards has hundreds of great fantasy audio at your fingertips to use for that great audio enhancing experience for all your rpg gaming or if you want to enhance your board gaming or if you do something online, like say a podcast like we do, you can use all that fantasy audio, bring it up to the next level. You don't trust us? Well, how about Battle Bards audios being used for the Dungeon Rats podcast, the God's Fall podcast, or maybe you've heard a little something called Critical Role on YouTube, or them having a contract with the Roll20 app? Battle Bards has all your fantasy audio waiting and a big thank you to BattleBards for being a sponsor on the show. This is the MFG Cast. guys, MFG Cast here. With you as always is Kurt. When you think of Dungeon Rats, what do you think of? For me, you know, you might think of Mouse Guard, the board game. That's pretty fun, right? Turn into an RPG. Everybody kind of likes to play that. Another thing you might think of is Secret of Nymph, 
that's an awesome movie, but terrifying. Still terrifies me to this day. But when I think of Dungeon Rats, I think of my favorite new podcast. It is a basically a endless dungeon crawl where you, the fans, pick where all these cast of characters get to go and what kind of crazy shit they get to fight. And the mad scientist behind it all is with us today. Patrick O'Rourke is on here to talk to us. Pat, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So before we talk about Dungeon Rats a little bit here, we always like to get everybody's experience about how they grew up through gaming. So why don't you just tell us about how you got started in this crazy, crazy world of RPGs and gaming? Well, it really didn't start for me until, man, maybe six years ago now. So I was definitely an adult. Like, I didn't start playing as a kid, RPG specifically. I've played a lot of games my whole life. And I come from a family where all we would do is play board games and stuff together, like, just, you know, around the table or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I got introduced to RPGs actually through actual plays. And then, then I started playing them, and uh, now it's to the point where I'm playing, you know, I'm, I'm hosting a show, I'm, I produce a lot of the podcasts on the One Shot Podcast Network, and then I play, like, with my family once a month now. My little brother got into D&D, and now we pulled everybody else into it. So it's something that we do on a really regular basis, and I can't imagine podcasting or life without it at this point. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're pretty new to this kind of thing. So, you know, you're on the One Shot Podcast Network. So obviously there's a lot of good content there. There's a lot of good ways to get into it and stuff like that. So, you know, is, is it something, are you particular going one way with what you like to play? Or is it something where you're just like, I will just try anything that somebody throws at me? Well, I will try any game. I really like exploring them. One of the things that my wife likes to make fun of me for is uh, we get a new game, and the first thing I do is like I unbox it, I take everything out, I look at every piece individually, I'm reading it, the book cover to cover. So I definitely love discovering new things, but 5e is an awesome system, and I enjoy playing it because it balances both my love of like strategy and mechanics as well as it gives you freedom to just role play and goof around. I feel like there's a lot of systems out there that do one or the other really well. And fifth edition puts you right in the middle. So when you want to get into combat, you want to do tactics and stuff. 5e can support that. But if you want to goof around and, you know, go buy some stuff and drink some ale, 5e supports that as well. Yeah. It, it's funny because, you you know, you hear a lot of people that are... I, I don't think there's anybody that hates it. Like, some people hate, like, fourth edition... Uh, but mm -hmm. I think that it, it seems like everybody either loves it or they're just like, I, I really like 2E better, you know, just because yeah. everybody's just so, you know, a lot of people are very old school when it comes to that. But again, I like 5E for that because I feel like with 5E, what it does is it, it really opens up everything where, you know, like some of these other iterations, it was like more combat based or, you know, more just you know, a lot of role play and not so much combat and stuff like that. So, you know, I agree with you that 5e really opens up a lot of different possibilities, you know, and it seems like the later it gets, the more stuff they come up with, which is just amazing. I just uh, grabbed uh, Buddy's little kid, or little kids, he's like 11. I got him, I got him some <laughs> uh, Paladin spell cards and they actually make those now. Yeah, spell you're card like, sets. holy shit, why didn't yeah. anybody think of this to begin with? You know, because it's like, 
everybody likes having something to use, you know, and now you have these little cards where it's like, ooh, I don't have to flip through the book and, you know, find page 583 every time I want to throw a spell at somebody, you know. So you're really into the dungeon delving part of it. So, you know, you know, obviously with this podcast that that's a big thing. So how did how did Dungeon Racks come about? Well, so as I mentioned earlier, um, I do a lot of the behind the scenes work for for one shot. Uh, I've been doing that for years. And we were at Indie PopCon, which is a comic book nerd convention thing uh, in Indianapolis. And we participated in this charity event where there was a dungeon master there. We were playing Pathfinder. And the idea was we were all playing playable characters who were famous fictional characters, mostly fictional characters from history. So, like, I was Chewbacca. James was uh, Harley Quinn. So we had all these, like, recognizable characters we were playing. And then the audience could participate by giving us magic potions or magic items, armor, that kind of stuff. And I was sitting there playing this, having a blast. It was super fun. And I thought, well, why limit it just to a few things? Let the audience take control of the entire dungeon and let's see what happens. From that, the show was born. This show wouldn't be a show without its crazy cast of characters. And I love that you were able to find a bunch of different personalities from different, you know, paths to come together to make this amazing. I mean, it, it works well, the conversations that they have and the way it does. I mean, obviously you, you guys edit it to a point where, you know, even if there were some hiccups, it, you wouldn't be able to notice, but it seems like anytime, you know, anytime you listen to when you guys play, it seems like you guys are always having a blast. So how did you find all these amazing people to come together to do this one amazing show? Well, so I produced the show with Carlos Luna. He's the guy who plays Gilf. Uh, and so when I first had the idea, Carlos and I were talking about working on a project together anyway. Carlos is like a gifted musician, uh, can edit, uh, wanted to get into podcasting. He was at my D&D table. I was running a game that was just, you know, for fun. Like we weren't recording it or anything. We were just friends playing a game together. And so we had been talking about doing something. And when I brought it up to him, he loved the idea. He wanted to get involved, and we just started reaching out to people that we knew that we thought would make for a fun ensemble or cast. Because we didn't want everybody to be, you know, I can be a bit of a power gamer. I know that about myself. And it's nice to have one of those at the table. It's not always nice to have everybody that way. Um, So... We wanted to make sure we had, uh, as the, as they call it uh, in improv comedy, you need the head, the heart, and the X factor at all times. And that's when, so the head is someone who's going to think through the problem and try to come up with the best solution. The heart is somebody who feels what's going on and wants to re- and reacts in an emotional way to the things going on around him. And the X factor is the person who doesn't give a shit about what's going on. It's just going to make a crazy <laughs> choice and blow everything up on you. And by having a nice combination of those types of people, I think it's A, very, very fun games, and B, a, a really quick way for the, the cast to click with one another. Like, we instantly fell into our roles and knowing what we were going to do and kind of knowing how each other liked to play the game, and we felt very comfortable. We forget the mics are there as we're going. Um, there's times where I have to say, like, remind them too. hey, we're doing a podcast, like describe this a little bit, uh, cause we're goofing around having so much fun. Nice. 
So how do you find these people? Is it someone, you know, you know, a person that knows a person, you know, like you said, you knew, you know, Carlos, are the, all these people that, you know, all these people that you got are people that you know already, or is it somewhere you just, you reach out through email and say, okay, I need this many people I'm recording in Chicago. This needs to happen. You know, do you set up interviews? How do you do that? Well, we didn't really interview anybody. So Chicago's got a huge improv comedy scene. It's like a big part of the city, uh, which Carlos and myself are a part of. We've taken classes together. We're not in the minority of, <laughs> of people who have explored improv comedy as a hobby in, in Chicago. Um, so through that, we knew some people, uh, and we also knew uh, who we thought would click. Uh, and Carlos knew a couple people. I knew a couple people. Um, so when we started reaching out, we were very purposefully reaching out to specific people and specific players. And then before anything ever came out uh, on the internet, we just workshopped it. So we played a bunch of characters. We tried a couple characters out. We let like Justine, who plays Rhoda, really didn't know role-playing all that well we just thought she was amazing uh funny person she's mm -hmm. crazy funny and so we wanted her to play so when we were workshopping it a big thing we had to teach her is like how she can be herself within the mechanics mm -hmm. of this game uh, and so by doing that by the time we started releasing it as a podcast i mean she knows what she's doing and what she wants to be mm -hmm. doing yeah that's great yeah and i love her character too because it's She's very no nonsense. Just you know, you can you can tell you can tell when she makes a uh, makes a decision. It's like, it's definitely her making that decision. Even though she's making it through her character, you can be like, okay, this is gonna be fun, you know. And she'll launch into it, and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, well, and I love it because she can like dual wield weapons, and her favorite move is to try to rip the head off of something, <laughs> which is great. And, and I try to support that choice. Like, okay, that's what Rhoda does. So as a, as a DM, your job is to facilitate that through the mechanics of the game. But if you were to look at her, her sheet, there's a lot better choices she could be making often than, like, I walk over and I rip the mm -hmm. head off the thing. But, you know, she does it, and I've just kind of figured out how to make that work within how many hit points that, that creature or monster has left. Um, and so she can do that and feel satisfied as a player, as well as create a satisfying story because that's ultimately what you're always trying to do mm -hmm. when you play. Yeah, and I, I think that one of the things I like most about about all the cast of characters and the people that play them is that they actually stick to that. Where a lot of people when they play, a lot of times they'll be like, Well, I'm gonna do this and you're and you think to yourself, Okay, obviously your character wouldn't do that, you know, where these people, you know, they mm -hmm. you know, they stick to a certain no matter how bad shit crazy it is they are like, well, of course my character would do this because this is funny or this is this is something that they would do because they're mad about this or they're sad about that or whatever, you know. seems like everybody has a conscious choice to, you know, do what their character would do. And you don't, you know, a lot of times you don't see that very much. You know, people will say, okay, I have this character, this is their alignment, and this is what I'll do. But in, an, in essence, when they play the game, you're like, okay, that's obviously what you would do because you're that kind of person, but you're playing this character, so maybe you should actually do that. Well, and that's the thing I love about role-playing games is it's fantasy. So something I always tell players when they come to a table when I'm running the game, I'm like, there's, sheet, there's a sheet here. It's covered in numbers. Let's not worry about what the numbers say or the value of those numbers, but let's talk about what that implies about who you are mm -hmm. as a character. Um, so is your intelligence low? Well, 
okay, what does that mean, right? And I think that by trying to move the game away from because I know I do this <laughs> so bad and I and it's one thing I love to do and in certain tables it's the best thing to do is try to win at <laughs> <laughs> There is no winning though. You can't win. You and it's fun. So to make it more fun, embrace the fact that you can lose yourself in a character who may or may not be like mm-hmm. you. Um, then that that's great. And of course, you know, there's a thin veil between a character and a, and who you are. But sometimes, instead of being overly analytical like you are in your life, be free. Make choices that are dumb and quick. And I don't know. It, it leads to to a new layer of fun. Nice. So we kind of talked to the, about this at the beginning about what you liked about 5e. So I, you might have already answered this question, but as a GM, are you more on the on the role playing side or are you more on the combat side or are you like a good mesh of both? You know, what how do you feel about that? I like running both. As I said before, you know, you have your more systems and I, as a as a GM, I'm always really unsatisfied by those because I feel I don't know, I just feel like what am I doing? Like what is <laughs> what is my responsibility in this and we're just people sitting around goofing off, which is fun to do, so don't get me wrong, but just from that GM perspective, I don't feel like I've set up proper constraints. Whereas when you're setting up like combat or or some sort of challenge, a puzzle, whatever it is, you you've built the sandbox that your players now have to play in, and that's the really fun part about running a game to me is like, all right, Everything's set up. I've put all these dominoes here. Let's see how you knock them over and in what order. Because I don't, I don't know what you're going to do next. <laughs> I've heard it called, what, the billiards approach to, to running a game, mm-hmm. where you just set the balls out and see how they knock them around. Um, I guess that's a better analogy than dominoes. But that, to me, is super fun. Because I, I always make sure every NPC has a very clear need and want, like the thing they want to make happen. And then it's up to the players if they care about that or not. Mm-hmm. But... You, by instilling that you get you get them to react and and things to happen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that makes me think of another question so you're talking about npcs and characters and stuff like that so you know not only do they you, do your cast they kind of have their own voice and stuff like that you also bring in a lot of good npcs to the to the table and they all have their own oh thanks yeah no problem and they all have their own voice <laughs> is it is it something co- going in you thought you know of course, everyone else is kind of doing this, so I have to bring a certain voice to every single NPC that's out there. Or, you know, was that a conscious choice or was that something that, you know, going through it, you're like, okay, this this is just, this has to happen. You know, I personally think I'm terrible at voices. <laughs> so for me, it was fun to do it, you know, where it's like, I'm bad at this, so let's all embrace the fact that, you know... We had, like, these halflings. Every halfling I did sounded the exact same, <laughs> but I found a halfling voice that at least worked for them. And so there was a running joke on the show about, like, wait, is that Pimwon or is that Sari? And it's like, well, I'm, 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 I'm Pimwon, <laughs> right? Like, we had to keep redefining it, which was fun, but we would have never have gotten into that fun territory if I didn't at least try to do yeah, a voice. Yeah. And, I, and I think it gives it range when, from a podcasting perspective, people are listening to this thing. Like try to vary it up and create characters and and create some some depth to it, and as as the GM, my I talk a lot, so it can't all just be this. I think that that would get 
I mean, I'm going to definitely be reusing voices a lot as the <laughs> yeah, show you goes on. So many. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's the thing of I do the intro as a character and I do the outro as a character. That outro is always going to be the character Rot because it's really funny to me to have a character within the game who realizes this is a game. So he calls himself the master <laughs> of the metagame. So he's the only one, and he won't tell anybody anything because he's absolute evil. So it's, it's a fun game to play to have him at the end recapping the fact that he just participated in a podcast. But at the, at the beginning, I've been playing around with myself either doing different characters depending on the context of the episode, or we're, we're bringing in uh, an old character. This episode's not out yet, so I don't want to <laughs> spoil anything. Uh, if anybody uh, who's listening to this listens to the Dungeon Rats. But we're going to bring back an old character to do a history episode to teach us about the world of Naporia. So by by having eclectic voices and perspectives, I think it helps make the world a lot bigger mm-hmm. or feel a lot yeah. bigger. Speaking of voices, um, I have to admit, with the Overseer, I don't, I don't, <laughs> and I know you've probably gotten this, uh, you've already gotten these. <laughs> Nobody likes the Overseer. I will tell you, because I... At my regular job, I put in headphones, I listen to podcasts for a little while before I have to do my other jobs, and I get this weird, I don't know what that thing is, that ASMR thing where, like, some people are, you know, some people love the sound of something. I'm going to tell you what, I I don't know if he's taking a dump or if he's going to throw up, and I, I can't listen. I just, I can't listen to it, especially when it's in my ears, because I'm like... I all of a sudden my stomach starts to turn and I'm like, am I gonna shit myself? I don't know what's going on. Maybe I just maybe I just I'll need to come with terms with it sometime, but I can't do it. <laughs> well, the overseer is very, very, very old. <laughs> like crazy old. And that's what I was trying to to get. But everyone told me it sounds like and it's, it's supposed to be a female, but everyone's telling me it sounds like she has to take a shit. And I'm and I'm like, yeah. She probably does. She's so old, you know, yeah. like things don't work as well. A <laughs> hundred years of backup will do it to you. You know, you know what inspired that character voice? And I told you, I don't think I'm all that good at them. The movie Hercules, Three Oracles. I was trying to oh. do one of those, like those cartoon oracles. So it's like real witch and like a lot of range yeah. in the voice, but real like, I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to make you feel sick right now. Please. But <laughs> so I was trying to, to get that range. The good news is she's, she might come back, but she'll come back in the context of the show as opposed to in- introducing the episode. Yeah, that's great. So I want to talk about the fans sending in stuff. Yeah. So, of course, you know, of course, when you start a new podcast and it's as popular as you guys are and you're going to get a lot of different things. Are there some things where when you get those, you're like, OK, I just I sorry that I can't do that. That's just too weird. Or, you know, or is it something where maybe there's something where it's like a little too similar and you send somebody an email and, and say, hey, sorry, we already kind of did that. I can't really, you know, do that kind of thing. Yeah, I think they fall really into three buckets. And I'm not even counting the stuff that's kind of similar because usually I'll email those people back and just be like, hey, we did something like this or that's coming up really soon on an episode we recorded. What if, and I put a little twist on it, would you want to, would you like something like this? And we kind of collaborate through uh, what the encounter could be if, if I think there's something really cool about the hook of it. I mean, we're at the point now, please 
do send in encounters and stuff because I don't want them to stop, but we get a lot of them. So it's it's for us to even play every one that we've gotten now, that's probably a year of episodes. So I'm trying to pick ones that work within the story really well, and I'm trying to pick good ones, ones that I think are, are captivating and interesting. So the three that, if it falls into one of these strings, three things, I probably won't do it. Uh, the first one is if, if it's overtly political. I... You know, I'm not against the idea of an artist representing their politics on their show. I think that that's that's a good thing and kind of does happen on the Dungeon Rats. It comes through in in our character performances and just general points of view. So I think that that's good. But if the encounter itself is overtly political, it just, to me, we all have to live in it for an hour and an hour and a half or however long it takes. It's a lot. The second one is, and I'm trying to put this in the right way, we have, we have female cast members, and they're wonderful. And there's people who submit things that subjugate our female cast members to doing overtly sexual stuff. And I've, I've talked to the female cast members about this, and, you know, it's not... I don't think it's at all ill-intentioned by anybody, but I think it puts those performers in an awkward position, you know, uh, because it, it is a little... It just it sexualizes them, and I don't want them to be, unless they want to, they make the choice to be sexualized, then that's the choice they can make. But as, as someone who's their friend and someone running the game, I don't want to force them into that, you know, like force them into a level of objectification. I think that that's their choice to make. Like Rhoda always wants to find love. Like that is Rhoda's choice. That's got nothing to do with me, right? As a person running the game, now I can feed that fire or not feed it, but that's her and she gets to decide what to do. Sometimes these encounters get a little too just, you know, sexualized, I guess I would say, uh, towards towards the female characters. And the, and the third bucket is uh, poop, poop and butts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I find it funny to read them. But I did uh, a little, I, I did a kind of a poop one at the beginning and it just, all I got then were a bunch of stuff like that. And now I, I was thinking, man, I don't want a scat show. Like, I just don't, like, I don't want to be doing, I don't want to be doing fart yeah. noises for every episode. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's funny every once in a while, but it doesn't need to be. A yeah, exactly. Much. So my thought was when I, when I did it the first time is. I'll feed this because we've gotten several of them and then it's been done and we won't get them anymore. I was super wrong. I, I (laughs) did it and everybody thought, not everybody, but people thought, Oh, okay, this is what we're doing now. Uh, and it's like, well, now I just have the rule of if it's, if it's that style of humor, it doesn't need to be in the show. That will come up on its own, yeah. you know, and in an appropriate timing. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like a whole encounter about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think people people don't realize that you know that stuff is funny, but you know you gotta you gotta think of it in <laughs> this is gonna be weird saying it, but in, in an adult kind of way yeah. because of course you know we all you know depending upon personalities a lot of people think you know every once in a while that stuff is funny but you know again if it just keeps coming up then it gets to be old I agree hat, and you know that is more funny to submit than it is to play like you read it and you have a laugh yeah. but then again an encounter takes a little while 
it's not like it's like oh two line mm-hmm. joke and then we're done with it. It's like no, now we're we're fighting the poop mm-hmm. monster, you know. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. so it's like, well, now and then I have to write like monster stats and do a bunch of work around it, and uh, uh, it's just not, you know, it's a good two liner. And let's just leave it at that. You made me laugh when I read it, but it's probably gonna just stay there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you guys are actually fairly new in it you've only released uh at this point i think what eight episodes i think we just hit 10 10 yeah sorry yeah. oh yeah because you got the couple of backstories yeah the bellegarde story yep the bellegarde yep so you're still fairly new at this still kind of going with it it's going great so you know where do you see dungeon rats going from here you know is it is it something where you know you just kind of keep it the way it is until you figure out a new thing? Or is there, you know, something in the back of your mind where you're like, well, if this works, maybe we'll go to this. Yeah. Well, it's hard for me to answer that because being a part of one shot and helping that grow, I do know what it takes to grow a podcast. Like, I I mean, I've been part of that since day one. Um, it I helped come up with it and develop what it is. Um, I mean, that's not to take any credit away from, from James or Kat or, or anybody at that network because uh, everybody creatively works very hard. But I, I just have been part of that system for, for several years now. I mean, I think that's four years or so. So I do understand the level of effort it takes to keep pushing it to the next level and to you know, effectively staff up a team. Um, Dungeon Rats wasn't really started with the intention of being anything beyond fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that being said, people really seem to enjoy the show. And uh, we're getting more listens than I I thought would happen. I thought it would just be a a fun thing to do. So there is a level of ambition to figure out what's next i have some ideas for ways we could do it as a as a successful twitch stream um i'm i professionally am a a, a digital producer like i create content and, and stuff for a living so i do know how to like think through these problems i guess or you know what i mean like think through like the production effort that would go into making something happen we want to do maybe a couple live things maybe figure out about how we could just connect with more people in in great ways but i think at, at at the core of it is we all really enjoy doing this together and that's the thing that i think is most important to maintain and maintain as long as possible and and hopefully around us the community of people who are submitting stuff and and hanging out and and whatever grows that's that's great but i mean it's podcasting you've been podcasting for how long now yeah, it's been almost five years now. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a labor of love, and it's something you do because it's it's awesome. And I never want this project to lose that awesome feeling. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And it doesn't seem like you guys are going to be slowing down, so that's great. So Mm-mm. The only thing is our, our episodes, because Carlos writes original music for all of them, the level of editing is very high, or the, the amount of time it takes. So I do see us maybe uh and this is a little bit inspired by aram who also puts a lot of editing effort into his shows which i'm not gonna lie the level of editing is completely inspired by the fact that i'm friends with aram now nice. <laughs> like hearing him talk about it and hearing about the level of craftsmanship he puts into each episode it's just like yeah 
why not do that? <laughs> that like, why not? Let's do it. And now, of course, we're in the same boat he is, where every episode takes 25 to 30 hours to make. And, uh, and that's after recording and writing and doing all of the, the fun parts of it. Mm-hmm. And editing's kind of fun, but you know what I mean? That I see us maybe doing seasons or something, like taking a couple months off in, in a few months from now. I definitely have a story and a world planned out. Um, if you're a regular listener, you know that it's getting uh, a little bit darker in the dungeon. Things are things are changing. So I have this kind of meta plan going on and seeing how the, the rats themselves impact it. And once that le- reaches a certain milestone, we might take a break. Nice. That all sounds great. I love that. It's funny, too, because it's funny that you talk about the whole editing thing. It's just... I don't, I don't know how people do it. It's just, it's insane. I think we're kind of in the back of our heads, kind of crazy to want to do it. I mean, it's fun at uh, you. Everyone talks about it. That has a podcast, you know, the editing part is fun, but man, there is not enough time in the day, especially when you're doing something like you're doing. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, we have jobs and wives and, and things to do. So, we, it really becomes your part-time job to edit the Dungeon Rats. And the thing is, it's like, it's a part-time job that doesn't pay anything, but it's a part-time job that you love doing. So it's a trade-off there. And and I imagine it's going to be July, right? It's going to be beautiful outside. Carlos and I are going to look at each other and be like, maybe we should go see the sun. Maybe we should feel that against our faces. <laughs> this basement is kind of musty. Let's go out and see what the what the uh, what the people above are doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we're both like I think one of the reasons Carlos and I are together is we both have that workaholic quality to us. I look at it as a good thing. We both love love the work. You know, mm-hmm. like I could I have pages and pages of stuff written that I know will never be seen, but but now it's in my mind. You know, it's here, and I can pull it out when needed, uh, and 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 that's when you get those like whoa moments from your players. Is oh he even thought about this, or he thought how this would impact the world. So I love that. So I I guess I overwork to have those brief moments every six months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, and I'm sure the fans uh, fans uh, appreciate it that much. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so yeah, I mean. We've talked about this about as much as I could ever talk about it, I think. Um, <laughs> where, How can people reach you if they want to talk about Dungeon... Uh, uh, wow, about the Dungeon Rats. Boy, I, that really just left me down. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I get it. Well, the Dungeon Rats have a Twitter... Uh, whoa, now I can't talk. Uh, the Dungeon Rats have a Twitter account at the Dungeon Rats. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Pat Likes to Tweet. Uh, because Facebook is for noobs. Uh, Go to thedungeonrats.com, and right away you'll see a form where you can submit your encounters, magical items, plot twists, anything you want. Any way you want to try to impact the world, uh, we embrace. Because to me, again, um, we call anybody who submits something a brave guardian, and that brave guardian's job is to keep the dungeon rats trapped in the endless dungeon forever. And so whatever you come up with, we try to work into the show. And, yeah, that's at thedungeonrats.com. Uh, I think we have like an Instagram and stuff, but if you want to follow that, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, and there's, is there anything else that you do that you like to promote that people might enjoy? I do a podcast uh, called Pat Trek. Uh, I don't know if you have any crossover with Star Trek nerds, but 
my friend Patrick Winnegar, and then my name is Patrick O'Rourke, watch, are watching Star Trek The Next Generation. It's a show he's never seen and I've seen a ton of times. Uh, I'm trying to convince him to like it as much as I do. And as I found out on the most recent episode, I am failing. <laughs> I really thought I was making some great headway. We just got into season three, which season three is amazing if you've ever watched Next Generation. But we're only like five episodes in. And he was telling me he's just not like he doesn't have a strong feeling towards this show. And I got pretty upset about it. But anyway, we're going episode by episode, uh, and that's at pattrek.space, or check us out on iTunes or anywhere else, Pat Trek. Well, that's great. Well, again, Pat, I'm so happy to have you on here, so happy to talk about Dungeon Rats, because it's just it's a lot of fun. Again, the whole tie-in with Aram, you guys both know how to make a great... Uh, 5e podcast you know how to make the world into something that everybody can enjoy and kind of sink their teeth into and i think between you and ram and both of those worlds you're also very good at um listening to the fans and and that's something i really enjoy so thank you for doing that and thanks for coming on to talk oh thank you so much really appreciate it all right legends of tabletop podcast creating legends Die at a time.